It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, August 3rd, 2020. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. Sitka Republican Bert Stedman this summer has been visiting communities in southeast Alaska as he seeks re-election to the Senate district he's represented for the last 17 years. He faces a primary challenge in August, but no general election challenger. From our sister station in Petersburg, KFSK's Joe Vicknicki reports. Stedman represents most of southeast Alaska south of the capital city. He was first appointed to the seat by Governor Frank Murkowski in the fall of 2003. Hopefully the you know, the folks in the district will think I did have done a good job in entirety. They might not agree with everything I've done over the years. I don't think anybody does. If you look back at the record at 17 years, you can find something, I'm sure. Um, but hopefully they'll consider me for another four. I'd like to, you know, continue to work on the Marine Highway and push back on some of the, some of the um, challenges we get at, delivered to us from up north dealing with uh, coastal Alaska. And also I'd like to continue working on ensuring that the permanent fund is intact and has the ability to to benefit future Alaskans along with current Alaskans. Stedman and Kodiak Republican Representative Louise Stutz are part of a nine-person ferry system reshaping group. That body has a September deadline to report on the economic future of the system and solutions for reducing what the state pays into the ferries. He expects there will be opposition to whatever comes out of that process and does not expect a silver bullet for fixing the system. But I can assure the people of the district, if uh, that report comes out and Representative Stutes and myself uh, don't agree with uh, most of it, chances of it surviving the legislature are slim as none. So we're not going to see, in my opinion, a a report of nothing but rail belt nonsense come out. Communities in Stedman's district have gone without service for much of this year. The coronavirus pandemic has been the latest challenge for marine transportation, but service has also been impacted by budget cuts and breakdowns for an aging fleet. He's got some concerns about making the marine highway a public corporation like the Alaska Railroad that could remove it from the political whims of each new administration. You get the marine highway too distant from most of the legislative process in the budget cycle, it's very easy, or it'll be easier just to cut the subsidy off. And there's no way you're going to run the Marine Highway without a subsidy, and there's no way you're going to run the Marine Highway on a $25 million subsidy. It's just not going to happen. The uh, entity's uh, too large. Our towns are too sparsely populated and too spread apart. So there's some things that just are not, not going to happen. $24 million is a 50% cut to state spending on ferries, a target proposed by Governor Mike Dunleavy when he formed the Ferry Reshaping Group. Stedman says it's important to transition to a newer fleet with lower maintenance costs, but he expects a difficult task convincing ferry opponents to spend money on new ferries, even with substantial federal funding. Stedman recently penned a long letter to the editor defending his support for a remote road project near Cake. In 2012, he secured a $40 million state appropriation for that road, which the DOT bills as a way to access remote forest land for recreation and subsistence uses. The state is planning to start construction on that this year. Stedman thinks Southeast should continue to pursue all transportation improvements, including roads and airport projects. You know, when you bet uh, everything on the Marine Highway, someday you might get up and find out you got nothing. And 
anybody that thinks that Marine Highway has been getting better over the last decade, uh, I would I would disagree with that because they're you know we're having significant challenges just keeping it operational. So we need to pursue those. As for other priorities, Stedman has asked the governor to look at the balances for a variety of state savings accounts to see if those can be used to pay annual operating expenses for state agencies. He wants to see more legislation for tougher jail sentences for some crimes, and he does not fault the state's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Also in this uh, pandemic, the governor's been granted some emergency powers that extend through this um, late fall, and frankly, they'll probably go clear till January, would be my expectation till the legislature's back in session. Um, yeah, I think he's doing the best job he can. Uh, we've all recognized that we've had a escalation in the last week or so, a couple of weeks, frankly, a little alarming. Um, but previous to that, the, there was a huge concern that, you know, we would not have the ability or the, to open up or run to the season or fish processors. Stedman is glad to see screening at airports and thinks that could be better enforced so people are not allowed to skirt travel mandate and testing requirements. Stedman was appointed to his seat in the fall of 2003 and elected to four terms. He has a primary challenger this year in Petersburg handyman and fellow Republican Michael Sheldon. Sheldon ran for governor two years ago and came in third in that primary in 2018. Later that year, he mounted a write-in challenge for the state house seat for the area, and he ran a write-in campaign against Stedman four years ago. So far, fundraising and spending in this race is relatively low. Stedman reports spending over $6,400 and raising over $4,400. Sheldon has raised a little bit more, over $5,300 during the same period, and he spent about $2,500. The winner of the August 18th primary serves a four-year term in the state Senate. In Petersburg, I'm Joe Vicknicki. The coronavirus pandemic has served to remind many of us how much we depend on strangers staying healthy so we can restock our cupboards and go about daily life. That's especially true for Alaskans who depend on a marine cargo lifeline from the lower 48 for the majority of goods. Northwest News Network's Tom Bonsey checked in with the tug and barge industry in Puget Sound. Most days of the week, an ocean-going tugboat heads out from Puget Sound going north to Alaska with a heavily laden barge in tow. Captain Pete Erickson is at the helm of the Western Titan, a tug in the Western Towboat Company fleet. At traffic, we got our barge strung out behind us now. We'll be building up to about nine and a half knots using Rosario. He checks in with the Coast Guard as he and his crew set out from Seattle, bound for Ketchikan, Juneau, and other southeast Alaska ports. Thank you, traffic. Western Titan. The barge they have in tow is stacked 40 feet high with containers. They're full of all the things sold in grocery and hardware stores, plus construction equipment, vehicles, and last but not least, alcohol. It's good to be a part of the system that keeps the area where you grew up and raised your family supplied. Erickson says dealing with the coronavirus has raised a few challenges. The state of Alaska required tug companies to file a plan for how they'd keep their crews healthy, as well as how to avoid spreading the virus into small towns with limited medical care. Russell Shrewsbury is the vice president of Western Towboat in Seattle. He says one big operational change is that tug and barge crews now have to stay on board throughout their voyage. Contact with people on shore must be minimized. 
generally the guys will go to the store when they get up to Alaska and, and resupply on produce and any of that kind of stuff. We can't do that now. Or they would go talk. The interaction uh, they would have with the people in the offices in the port and stuff has all been basically done over a telephone now. They can't go say hi to anybody. Shrewsbury advises his crews to avoid contact besides family members when they're home between voyages. The tug company is not enforcing a strict pre-departure quarantine or ordering COVID testing. Some Northwest seafood companies did that with seasonal workers they sent to Alaska this year. We're not going to chain anyone to their homes. We just want people to be really smart about who they interact with because the implications it could have on the supply chain for Southeast Alaska could be devastating if we started having the virus run through the tugboats and people were getting sick. So far, so good, says Shrewsbury. Other marine cargo companies on the Alaska circuit, such as Cook Inlet Tug and Barge and Centerline, say they too have not had crew members get sick with the virus at sea. The local COVID incident commander for the city of Juneau tells us the barges never stopped coming and we don't want them to stop coming. In Alaska, a lot of towns are geographically isolated. Without a road connection to the outside world, resupply comes either by airplane, which is very expensive, or by sea. The relative isolation helped keep COVID away for a good while, but now our interconnected economies and the relentless nature of the virus are converging. The COVID case count in Alaska soared recently. Partly that's due to outbreaks in seafood processing plants and on board a factory fishing trawler based out of Seattle. I'm Tom Bonsey reporting. Taking a look at the community calendar. Readers of all ages explore fantasy, fairy tales, myths, and titles that foster imagination during Sitka Public Library's summer program titled Imagine Your Story. Registration is online or packets can be picked up at the library grab-and-go window. The program runs until August 8th. For more information, call 747-4020 or visit the library's website. Search offers a free start-stepping walking challenge to those of all ages and abilities August 3rd through 31st. Weekly prizes of local $50 gift cards and a chance to win a Fitbit are offered. To register and log steps, go to search.org slash startstepping. For more information, call Helena Van Veen at 966-8914 or email helenav at search.org. Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska offers a webinar on how to rethink behaviors as forms of communication while strategizing appropriate responses to those with dementia. That's at 1 p.m. today. Visit alzalaska.org for more information. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.